0: So good afternoon, everyone. Uh, My name is uh, Babaji Ashebeloui. I work with uh, First City Monument Bank um, as the head of uh, Tech Space Ecosystem Business, where I drive the bank's engagement within the tech ecosystem um, by engaging tech startups, um, government agencies that support technology and the innovation ecosystem. Um, I also strategically drive um, the bank's tech orb, OB1, um, which is a physical representation of what we are doing or and or, or what we intend to do in the tech ecosystem. Um, and uh, several of our engagements at OB1 include different programs that we've designed uh, to support uh, technology startups, tech enthusiasts, um, innovation enthusiasts, uh, generally in the tech ecosystem in nigeria and africa and one of such programs is our epic hour uh, epic hour is uh, a program that occurs every month um, where we bring very important people to come speak to members of the tech ecosystem of one community and non of community members on different important topics that can assist um, their tech startups scale grow, um, and different forms of um, topics that we feel are very very important. Um, so what that means is that um, every speaker that we bring on board to Epicawa has been properly selected, and, and we are sure that um, there's going to be a lot for us to learn. Uh, This program today, um, and as always, uh, is brought to you in partnership with Passion Incubator. Uh, Passion Incubator is an incubator and accelerator out of Lagos, um, and they manage and operate of one's physical space um, and some of our programs. Um, So I want to also appreciate them for making today possible. I'm so straight to it, um, I'm very excited um, that we have our speaker today, um, Dario Giuliani. Um, Dario Giuliani is the director at uh, Brighter Bridges, uh, which is uh, a research um, and data-driven company um, that is focused on servicing um, the underserved market. Um, and our topic today is very, very important uh, because it is something that, um, as a member of the tech ecosystem, um, as a mentor to several tech startups, and as someone that provides advisory to tech startups, um, part of the gaps we've also noticed is that um, founders at times don't do adequate research um, before they come about um, the solution, or even when they've come about or implemented the solution, um, they don't consistently um, maintain a research and development culture. I'm so very excited uh, for us having Daryl Diliani, the director at Brighter Bridges. And uh, I think I'll um, sort of um, hand over the conversation to you from here. Um, so, for quick etiquettes on this call, and to make it very easy for everyone, um, I would say if you are not speaking, um, kindly mute your mic um, where necessary. If you have questions after Dario is done, um, you can chat your question via the chat box um, and we'll read as much as possible um, and have Dario respond uh, to those questions. Um, so everyone, thank you for joining us. Um, today in Nigeria, we have a public holiday, so we wish our Muslim Brothers, um, all the best today. Um, so Dario, thank you, and um, I believe that we're going to have a very exciting time um, engaging you. Welcome, and welcome to every of our attendees, um, and I can assure you that um, there's so much to be learned today. Thanks. So over to you, Dario.
1: Thank you, much, Hello, everyone. I think you can uh, see me. Let me know if you would like to wait. Um, a bit uh, for other participants to join um, just for them to avoid um, missing some of the content. Um, so for so Babaji, you tell me if, if you would like me to wait. Otherwise, um, I'll carry on just giving a bit of introduction to, oh, okay. to Brighton. Yeah,
0: okay. So I think what we can do like you've admonished is um, the time here is about um, five up to four um so we can wait for let's say another five minutes um then um, once we, uh, we're done and the time elapses we, we just go ahead um, so sure. i think that that that's yeah okay
1: it's a public holiday people are on the sofa and uh, <laughs> yeah we need to wait for them to you
0: know.
1: yeah true true
0: Okay, okay, let's do that. So five minutes,
1: then you just start. Bojit, I'm happy to start. So
0: once more, um, welcome again to the uh, OB1 Epic Hour. Um, and um, for those that were not, Online when we started, um, I did mention that uh, Epic Hour is one of um, several programs that are uh, one owned by First City Monument Bank, has created to support the technological ecosystem in Nigeria, uh, with emphasis on tech startups, so tech founders um, and tech enthusiasts. Um, and um, this program holds On a monthly basis, Um, and this is the October edition. Um, And today we are having Daryl Guliani, who is the founder director at Brighter Bridges. And um, I think he's best suited to discuss with us um, this angle around research and development, um, you know, and its importance to innovation. Um, in the technological ecosystem. And um, I think this conversation today is very important because um, like I did also mention that from experience, uh, one of the greatest challenges that tech startups do face um, in this part of the world is um, lack of adequate research uh, before going to market. Uh, and in addition to that, even when the product has been launched, um, there is usually not that perpetual spirit of consistent and continual research and development. Um, and this is not only peculiar to tech startups, um, it is also a common phenomenon with um, even big companies in this part of the world. Um, and we see that uh, not so many people have the right kind of budget um, to focus on R&D. So I'm very excited that we're having um, Dario today um, I think you'll be in the best place to talk about Brighter Bridges, what they do, um, and also to take us through this conversation today. Um, so for a simple etiquette, like I did also mention is, um, if you have any questions, uh, please, um, you are permitted to send it via um, the chat. Um, and uh, we will try to read through them um, and ask Dario, um, and he will answer as, as quickly as possible and as much as he can. So once more, thank you everyone for joining us, um, and for our Muslim brothers, um, uh, God bless you during this period of this holiday. And uh, so I hand over to Dario now uh, to take us through this journey, uh, take us through this conversation. So I'm excited. Let's just fasten our seatbelt and, you know, listen tight to uh, this fantastic conversation we're going to have with Darry today. So Daryl, over to you. Thank you.
1: Fantastic. Thank um, you. Okay. So the conversation today is around, I guess, the role of research, uh, especially for founders, especially for organisations that. Are entering the market or are planning to enter the market with an idea or a product. Um, The way I've structured the slides is a big presentation about, you know, who we are, just to set the context. Um, And one of the key questions around um, methodologies and effective, you know, research strategies for founders, and then how effectively maybe research and data can help uh, position or at least a better understanding of the role that your company or your future company could play in the ecosystem so what problems it's looking to tap into what solutions is coming up with who else is working in in the same space and then you know i'll be looking into some of the um you know the values and 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 the strategies to really and you know the nitty-gritty details of um you know, what to do when carrying out research or when planning to carry out research. So I'll just share, start sharing my screen. Um, I put together a few slides. I hope you enjoy at any point. I think, you know, at any point you can really interrupt me and I'm happy to clarify. Uh, I don't necessarily need to, um, you know, if, if this concept that you might want to clarify, just let me know. Don't hold it until the end. Uh, for everyone to, you know, probably understand it better. So, can I, can anyone confirm that you are seeing my PowerPoint presentation? Yeah? Yes, we can see you. Superb. So, okay, so how can startup leverage data and research to build stronger businesses? Okay. So, who are we? Just to set the context, Brighter is a UK company and um, is active all across the continent and also in other, what we call emerging and underserved markets. Um, so not just African countries, and we have an office in Kenya as well, and it's a core team of four with a number of collaborators that work with us on you know a daily basis. Um, Lisa and I were based in the UK and then Josh and Clara were based in Nairobi. Um, what do we do? For those who don't know Brighter, who've never come across our name or our work. We've uh, established a sort of brand in this realm of mapping, um, activity tracking across the continent mainly, but we've been also spanning through other regions, as I mentioned, and we've produced, I guess, the largest visual collection of, of information across, you know, startup ecosystems in Africa. And this spans, you know, across hubs, startups, um, tech communities, academia, um, investors, donors, and, 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 and charities. Um, what we did was last, you know, we started the construction last year, and in May this year, we finally launched the Brighter Intelligence, which is now uh, the factor, the digitization of the work that we've been doing over the past two years, Brighter is actually turning two on saturday um so this is our birthday week effectively and um in may we we launched the Brighton intelligence which is freely accessible and allows you know founders investors corporates students researchers to have access to a very broad range of data as you can see you can have access you know if you look at the right hand side there are two key functions one is add your own so in Once you've searched for your company, if you don't find it, then feel free to to add it. Our team will verify, will approve, and then will allow you also um, permission to control your company. Okay, so you can keep it up to date, and it doesn't only have to be our team um, to work in this. And then the second function is not really a function; it's really a a just just um. You know, a little slide that you have here that is the real time tracker and is a real time aggregate aggregator of uh, whatever query you might run on the platform. So looking into companies, into whatever region, into whatever um, country of operation. As I mentioned, we started with Africa, so we have most of the data on Africa, but we've been researching also across Middle East, South Asia, Southeast Asia, and also Latin America. Now... um, one of the questions that I've been asking and I'm I'm going to try to answer is effective methodologies, you know, in when it comes to research for startups. I would like to extend this to, you know, the realm of early stage companies and companies in general, even though later stage, obviously, they have uh, some built in systems and talent to look into this, um, but especially for early stage, that's. There's a dire need for this type of um, you know, whatever we're going to delve into right now with this type of effort and this type of resources. So one suggestion that I like to put forward, but also one of my strongest thoughts, I think, is the the research is in itself innovation in the sense that innovation is you know the process of bringing something new to the table and devising a solution to doesn't necessarily be have to be a problem, but can be simply uh, something that you've identified as in need for um, change, for amendment, for innovation, for disruption, and um, and so in the life of a business, business owners encounter this uh, moments. Several times, right, in the lifetime of of, of this business, because they encounter new uh, types of audience of customers, they have new competitors coming up. Um, there's a behavioral change that implies that the product or service provided isn't longer um, sort of viable or attractive, right? And so innovation. And in, in a research, in this sense, allows to keep the engine moving, right? Keep the engine sort of lubricated, and then you're able to um, always be you know in uh, on the move and always be able to adapt faster to change. And a continuum in a continuum in the sense that research needs to encompass every single step of the development of a business. And it shouldn't be thought as a standalone department that works in silos, right? And this is also to some degree a a criticism to to the world of large corporates, which because of the you know the very static and rich structure that they have at scale, they find it hard to embed innovation. And there are very, very few of the companies that are able to embed innovation or you know, all around the the structure of the company, and so that's why I'm I'm saying a continuum. It's better to understand that there's a need for refreshing, to to learn, to to innovate, to change the product, and to change the service, and 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 to try to respond to more answers and more questions and more questions all throughout the life of the business, right? So, to start with, this is kind of a, a you know a paradox, but I would say, you know, what are the the, the, the strategies for, for successful R&D? First, there's no single method, right? There's no blueprint, you know, a biotechnology company will have different problems than a logistic company distributing cassava, right? And Brighter as a research and data company will have different problems than an event company. So. What's very important is to identify and this is what leads to the to the the second point is to identify you know what is mainly in uh, you know in need for innovation and research based on whatever market you're entering, right. So and, and sorry and 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 so what is the best way probably to be able to bypass this issue? to allocate internal resources to this. So instead of thinking as a research, as any company are doing as, you know, something that you need to outsource or something that you need to do, you know, once in, uh, you know, every now and then, it, there should be a need for allocating internal resources, internal, you know, specific days of the week where there's, there's a reconfiguration of, of the way things are, are done. And within this identify, Which areas are in need for reconfiguration? Is it operation? Because the cost structure is too high. Is it product? Because the product might not be responding to the right audience, right? Um, And finally, and this will lead to all the next um, points, um, especially market research is, which is what also Brighter focuses on is, really key when it comes to identifying who is doing what and especially who is already doing something that could be conducive synergistic or in competition right with a specific company a specific product or service right so this question is how to become attractive you know for uh, you know for for the global market but and how you know you can leverage research and, and data for this, building on what we were saying before. This is not just for the global market, but this is for growth, for sustainability, right? Obviously global market is the ultimate goal. Um, scalability is the ultimate goal, I guess, of, of companies. And obviously internationalization is, is an um, ultimate goal to some extent. So delving into this a bit. What are the the key points that I identify as strategic? First, it doesn't need to focus really on your own product or service understanding. And by focus, I mean you could see like probably new sub points over here popping up, looking at the product. You know, understanding who is doing what and whether the market is actually responding to your service and not trying to perpetuate an idea because that's an idea that sounds sexy in your head, if the idea doesn't have a solid sort of uh, welcome from the market. If the market is not endorsing it, if the market... Like, and, and bear in mind, there's this trick, and this, uh, many, many founders will, uh, will relate to this. There's this trick which is a very dangerous slippery slope that when you go for beers with your friends and you say I have this idea I'm working for this in that moment you tend to abstract your friends and you mistake them for your target audience and so what happens is you sit down with them and you're like, I've got this idea, I'm working on this. Maybe you have some slight, some nice slide decks on your phone. Uh, you show them, everyone is impressed. Oh, this is really cool, man. This is really cool. Um, you know, I'm sure this will have a lot of traction. And you start getting hype and adrenaline through your blood. And then you tend to forget that, you know, sometimes the people that you're talking to that approve or seem to approve or seem to endorse what you are doing might not be the people that you need to ask for an opinion right because there's an emotional opinion and there's an analytical opinion and there's an opinion that is driven by need right and opinion that are driven by need are those that you will ultimately want to look for and to, to, and there are ultimately those that will belong to your customers, right? And so there's a kind of funnel in there that, you know, a, a a percentage of people that shrinks and shrinks and shrinks. And you need to make sure that as a founder, you identify the right people who you're talking to. And then if you we want to take this one step further, this very process that I describe of getting a sense of the appreciation of what you're building is pretty much primary data collection okay market research now there's one very harsh criticism that i have especially since i've started working across the continent a few years ago and there seems to be a narrative uh, that goes the following way i'm a founder and i've identified an african problem and i'm building a solution that is african made by african and now this tends to be a, 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 a kind of um, error, a design error from the start, because what you get is often a sort of setback from the market, especially because, especially from investor, because when they're going to sit down with you and going to try to look at the scalability of what you're building, will find the usual, you um, Problems that you might that might arise when talking about business scalability when it comes to startups, especially in tech in Africa, which is low purchasing power widely, especially for B two C, and um, you know a, a market that is fast changing And so you know a problem with uh, establishing and keeping a product established for uh, for a, a longer while, and so on and so forth. I think I'm I'm hoping that all, all that I'm saying will in, you know, in in, uh, your head as, as, uh, I guess, entrepreneurs. Um, And then this will lead to the last two points, which is sustainability versus external cash and real versus vanity metrics, right? When looking into scalability and we're looking into um, how to substantiate, you know, what you are building and what drives what you're building through data, it's very important to not get um, sort of charmed by, you know, metrics like single time user that never log back into your, whatever you're building. Um, retweets, right? Uh, likes when you buy Facebook ads and so on and so forth, because these are not exactly what, they're, what are going to, you know, the, the, the metrics that are going to change your business. In fact, they might be the metric that accelerate the death of your business. And this the other point, point, number three, is the fact that especially in the startup world, because the startup world belongs to a whole um, specific bubbly narrative, there's this association of success with um, the ability to raise external cash. And now the ability to raise external cash is a skill, which is a remarkable skill, which is very useful, but which is not a proxy for being able to build a business. And this is because when you, and this also kind of links with learning and research into your business, when you build a business, you are building a product, testing it out, testing it on user, um, getting feedback from them, perhaps, getting you know achieving sales and then achieving you know maybe some some of the sales will 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 continue will become recurring sales other won't and this very process is ultimately the process that allows you to learn about what you're doing whether you're doing what whether what you're doing is uh, working and is teaching you something uh, versus the a very separate you know process which sometimes gets confused which is the process of raising cash which is the process of basically convincing your investors that your company like to make a bet that your company is is worth making a bet on right and the ability to actually convince investor doesn't always translate into the ability to build a sustainable business in the longer run. Because within the sustainability of the business, you have you know, learning about your team, learning about when your team gets bored and learning about when your team uh, needs refreshing or needs a new oxygen in a sense that needs new skills. And learning when the curve of the demand is shifting or is moving because the market is changing learning when your competitor or there are new competitors in the game which you hadn't foreseen or you haven't you hadn't seen coming and who are building solutions that are actually effectively decreasing your market like your 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 market point your market share and all of this and these are and and I know of companies that have spent the last two years going on steroids of challenges and competitions and pitch you know pitch shows and television and and vc money that haven't yet achieved sustainability that haven't yet you know reached a a break even and bear in mind i do acknowledge the fact that several businesses need an injection of cash to be sustainable but the the ultimate like sort of uh, rule of a business is the ability to, to produce and sell a product and make your money out of it and create sustainability out of it, right? So while there will be companies that need an early injection of cash in order to get to that sort of, not even break-even point, but like the revenue generation moment, many com- many other companies don't, right? And many other companies also do not have the ability to bring or guarantee the right returns to investors. And so the very process of looking for money might be tricky and might even detrimental to the actual growth of a business, will surely allow your business to grow um, fast, but with a sort of short-sightedness, as opposed to sort of building brick by brick but really learning about your market and sort of try to focus on on the real metrics and on on the metrics that matter so these are the you know the, i guess it, a few points as to what i think you know people should focus on when when looking at specific data and when looking at specific research to do let's focus on the competitors let's focus on the product is my product still relevant for the same for the market that i'm operating in is there a new competitor that might just swallow my product or is there a new competitor that might acquire my product or might sort of strike a trade deal with me that will guarantee my scalability etc etc um so a few slides about research Uh, again anyone can interrupt me uh if you um, if there's anything that you don't that you don't understand, so design for the bigger picture when how do I put it um, when when working on research, it's very important to let's say you're let's say you're working on on a market research to understand your landscape, right? it's essential to identify all the little moving pieces of this puzzle, right? That could contribute to the uh, life or death of your business. And when I say this, I mean, not only in the short term, so who is, um, could guarantee the life or business, of your or, or life or death of your business today, but also in, in, at scale, who will be the moving pieces of this puzzle once I get to phase two? Who will be the moving pieces of the puzzle when I get to phase three? And it's very important to ask you know yourself this, these questions early on because that will also guarantee you know will, will determine the the direction that, that, that your business takes and also the, the direction of your day, day-to-day operations, right? And the, the time is a is a scarce resource, right? And and you want to allocate the resource. The you know the right resource to resources to your, to to your business and so it's very important to identify early on what moving pieces of this of of, of you know this little business life puzzle you might encounter right. Now, one of the one of the key questions as a founder you need to ask and actively take action on is who is already doing this right i think um oh thanks rich so who is already is anyone already doing this right this is a question that we've asked before but how do i take action active action on you know on this understanding the the breadth of the product that you are or like the scope of the product or, or the or the the potential of your product and then try to uh, picture a sort of solar system of different pieces of puzzle that could be synergistic to you or in competition with you. And based on this, you would want to probably design your future step when it comes to instance product development, right? Not, especially when it comes, one, one thing that we're seeing, especially Brighter, we're working on this, we're looking at how companies are, multiplying their service, right? There's a rise of super apps. Um, payment companies are now adding API and now adding points of sales they are adding accounting systems, et cetera, et cetera. And it's very important to understand whether the efforts, the resources that you are allocating to a specific outcome will, you know, have the potential to have a return on that investment. Especially in a place like Nigeria, and I'll get to this in a moment, where a lot of young entrepreneurs are entering the game and are growing fast, offering you know, I guess disruptive product and services to an audience which is very broad, which is very hungry for innovation, right um, Third, this is mainly. I guess this is, takes a step back when it comes to the methodology of doing research. When you do market research, especially in a new market, um, let's say you're expanding to a new city, you're expanding to a new sector, you're expanding to a new country. It's very important to understand who the gatekeepers are. And by gatekeepers, I mean, who are the relevant people that you want to know, that you want to, to, to know about, and that you want to talk to in the specific space where you're that you're entering right it's very important that you understand so also the power relations we've seen recently and you know new startups launching and then bans being applied to these sectors and this has spanned from kenya to nigeria right to london right we've seen some pushback from a specific existing pools of of, of of place. So it's always very important to understand. And and this is not just a detail because this determines the life or death of your business when it comes to scale or multiply or increase the, the service offering that you have. So it's not something, it might sound as an isolated case, but it's very important to first identify and second, not mess around specific or find a way around specific um, potential obstacles. And if identifying the gatekeepers and, you know, people that are relevant and, and organizations that are relevant in a specific space, ahead of making, you know, decision and taking further steps is key. Um, now, we've done quite a bit of work recently, it's Brighter in um, Nigeria. And I think this would probably be the part of the presentation that is, uh, Less boring and uh, more, and more applied, and especially because it obviously looks at your country's ecosystem. Um, so, what are the potential and the attractive traits of Nigeria's tech ecosystem? So, this is. I apologize for the, um, for the for the, um, so the quality. We have a high quality uh, file that I can share. Um, this is just a screenshot that I took earlier because it wouldn't upload on my PowerPoint, but um, but this is actually publicly available. So needless to say, the Nigerian ecosystem accounts hundreds of organisations and counts dozens of investors that are active on at all stages. Um, you know, Elite Space, Fashion Incubator, the bank are. Just a few that I, you know, we could see already in in this in this call, that operate every day to to support the ecosystem. But we also have very large players that have been establishing their presence globally. And obviously, everyone has been very hyped about Paystack last week. Um, but at the same time, last year we saw Visa acquiring a large stake into into Switch, which is effectively the father of of Paystack, uh, in the sense that you know they've they've tapped into digital payment early on, and um, and at the same time, we also have a thriving and growing ecosystem at early stage. So uh, sorry, it's a thriving support ecosystem at the early stage. So on the top left, ecosystem builders. Again, I apologize for the quality, but. We do have the the high quality version. You can see, you know, lots of logos indicating, you know, the different types of hubs that have been um, supporting the ecosystem over the past few years. Uh, just today, there was an announcement of CC Hub, um, which, on top of acquiring iHub, acquired another Kenyan company called Ilimu. Uh, as I guess, as a subsequent chapter into this endeavor that they that they you know embarked on to provide quality education to 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 Nigerians and to to you know other African countries populations and I mean we could go on and on discussing the breadth and the composition and nature of the, Can- of the, Can- of the Nigerian ecosystem um, not least the thriving agriculture and fintech sector um, but I would like to move on to this other slide which gives you a an idea of you know going back to the first part of the presentation about research and identification of specific stakeholders um an idea of how having a bird's eye view into the ecosystem could actually help uh, you make a better decision and identify who could help who could compete and who could be just you know um, synergistic with you um, so, what you see here is a snapshot. Um, this is by no means comprehensive. This doesn't want to be a mapping. This wants to be a sort of relational graph, a relational scheme that allows you to see the different pieces of the puzzle that I was mentioning before. Right. So, what we define as aggregator, so community, uh, this very webinar, right? Some sort of aggregator, and now it. You know, digital aggregators are the new aggregators, right? In in the last few months and foreseeably in the next few. Um, but also investors and in angel networks or hubs and, and and networks of hubs, right? Tech communities, um, of coders, of designers, of illustrators, of artists. And then again, how these intersect with the startups, the startup world, how these intersect with corporate and how corporate intersect with um, hubs, when they provide um, some sort of corporate support and corporate venture capital uh, in, dedicated to to startups, and also how the, there there are you know increasing opportunities in the mer- merger and acquisition space, and so the merger and acquisi- merger and acquisition stop being some sort of phantom of these micro tech economies, but become active options when it comes to exit, when it comes to scale, when it comes to collaboration, right? And then again, research and advisor, right? We recently work with Endeavor and also with Steers. Um, they operate in, in Nigeria, they operate in other countries um, and several organizations like them. Now moving to the top left and right, we also then have the role of donors and the role of philanthropy, and then the role of government and how government is actually now taking a step, recognizing first the role of tech, uh, for instance, setting up, you know, the National Information Technology Development Agency, NITDA, but also the collaboration between governments um, such as the UK and Nigeria Tech Hub, or, um, you know, the, the Lagos State Innovate, you know, initiative. It's very, this this to say that it's, it's very key to understand, this is something that we haven't published, we use it for, for presentation specifically. And this is to drive a conversation around the opportunities in understanding system th- in, in in, leveraging system thinking when when doing anything really related to business or creativity. Okay. Um now just a three quick slides about the potential for Nigeria, right? Um also would you tell me how long do I have left? Because I think um I've completely lost track of time. Um, so this is the brighter intelligence. Again, uh, our platform is uh, largely free. Uh, all the functions that I'm showing you right now are free. Um, looking at Nigeria now, we have 978 players. There's definitely more. These are the ones that you know belong to the categories that we have in our database, mainly on the digital, green, and sort of circular economy and tech. Um, across 60 sectors, across over 260 products and services, and for companies that have raised over $700 million in 2020. Okay? So just that is a message, is an ammunition to anyone who wants to do, uh, who's asking about doing business and opportunity in Nigeria, especially now that we're seeing um, so much vibrancy and so much activity and so much uh kind of unrest when it comes to the recognition the acknowledgement of so much potential in, in the youth of nigeria um this sidebar wants to tell wants to send a message in a nanosecond there are at the very least eight thousands of organizations that are working every day as much as you and i are doing right now in this in this webinar to provide for services, provide for needs, hence providing services and and product that are somewhat useful across sixty sector, right? And also these companies have been able to raise within a matter of 10 months during the year when there was a a global pandemic and they were um, kind of frozen for a few months, um, almost $1 billion, right? um a bit a bit of sort of diving into this data obviously here you only have nigeria because we selected that um, our database counts a lot of financial technology companies and then again um, health and agriculture also thriving, especially digital health especially as you can see here investment platforms meaning also crowdfunding farmers uh crowdfunding platform for farmers payments and payment gateways edtech comprising um, tele, um, sort of teleeducation, right? So um, e-learning, uh, tutoring, um, directories. And then again, a lot of um, investment going into solar energy, especially at household level and, and market, sort of business to business level. Um, and then further down, these two slides, sorry, this slide gives you an idea of you know, just a few, obviously you can scroll down if you go on the platform, but it gives an idea of the breadth of deals and the size of deals for companies that operate in Nigeria. These are not necessarily companies that only operate in Nigeria, but when you select country of operation in Nigeria, you also have companies like DPO, which is a Kenyan company a branch, which is a U.S. company and is active across the continent uh, or, um, you know, and Copa and Zola Electric and so on and so forth. But like companies that are operating in this in, on, on the continent, especially at tech level, we're not talking about corporate, we're not talking about banks, we're not talking about traditional industries, we're talking about digital companies and sort of neo-material company like this, if you want to consider solar power as a, you know, solar, solar panel and like it's kind of advanced material and this just looks at those right so this is pretty much the presentation i put in the, put together but we can go on and uh, you know discuss i'd like to hear a, a few questions especially from you know founders um but yeah but you tell me if you have also any questions that you'd like to ask on behalf of um, everyone
0: yeah, so there, there are a couple of questions that um, we do have here. Um, I think I will just uh, read a few that uh, that have been written properly uh, so that we don't get confused. Uh, so so I would like to quickly say that for those sending questions, please go straight to the point. Um, no need to have a prelude and, uh, for your question. Just go straight to the so it's easier, and um, because it's difficult reading the guys that have pre books for their questions. Okay, so someone asked a question: um, What do you do when someone is already doing what you intend to do? Um, so, uh, what if um, so? typically in the Nigerian market or anywhere in the world, you want to go into a new. Um, space, uh, and you have a lot of people doing it. Uh, let me merge that with can you hear me? I hope you can hear me, directly. Yeah, okay. So, let me merge that with uh, the second question, uh, which I think is very important. Uh, how do you get industry data in Africa, particularly Nigeria, where accurate and up to date data is hard to get? You know, so so. Let me just ask those two questions first, because it's it's a real problem, and, and I think I'm very excited um, what you're trying to do at Brighter Bridges, um, you know, bridging the gap um, around um, lack of data, providing data uh, for intelligent decisions. So let's let 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 me see your responses to those uh, two questions, brief.
1: Sure um thanks i mean when <laughs> when it comes to building something that someone is already do, you know working on i mean as a human being you know even as a as a business person i would ask myself why do i want to do that not as in am i crazy very practically what is the did the, the rationale behind working on something yourself that is already being done by someone else, as opposed to trying to do it with this person. Like, why are you looking to compete? Right. Why are you looking to build yourself? There are many reasons to this can be pride. It can be, you just want to do it because you think you can do it better Um, in commercial and financial and economic reasons, meaning like that's, you think you've got a better solution to that. And so do you think that can actually give you a job uh, and you can actually sell it? Uh, all legitimate dis- um, reasons, right? There's no good or bad, there's no bad in wanting to compete with someone. But it's just effectively the reason why, like also what are the what are the barrier to entry in this specific area, right? Uh, ask yourself what resources this person or this organization has deployed to be where you know what it is and figure out whether you have them and figure out what extra cost you might not foresee try to be very practical about things and very transparent about the why's behind it again just this is this is my opinion this is not what you should do like this is this is what comes to my mind reading your you know you're reading your, your, your question. Don't take my word as, a, you know, the holy scriptures. Just like, you know, this is, my words. Want to sort of boost and new questions, right? Questions that you might want to ask yourself. Why do I want to do it? Why do I think it's better, right? Sometimes, for instance, I, Kristen Brighter, wasn't born as a data company. He kind of became one and we rode with it. And we ended up kind of providing service that maybe was better than some people that were already doing kind of this because we ended up doing a better job or like because we think the market ended up working with us, right? And so the, the, the avenues to that lead you to where you are are countless. So obviously you need, based on that, based on an understanding and an analysis of where you are, um, you might want to sort of make a specific decision and ask yourself specific questions. I hope this answers your question. Okay. And at the bake a bakery, right? Sure. There you go. So Ibrahim, uh, uh, so I would say first, I'm not an expert in bakery and uh, food and beverage. So this is my disclaimer. Um, that. Okay, thank you. Actually, this this makes me, you know, raises another point. Sometimes competition doesn't mean ultimate blood fight, right? Sometimes you can just build a business that accommodates a market because you think there's enough market for it, right? It's not that like because you build a bakery, like you're destroying your competitor business, right? Right, I buy Nike, but also buy Vans, and also I buy whatever Adidas. Right, and I haven't seen ne- either of the three failing in the last three few years because I bought one each right every year. And you know, what I mean, it's competition exists. Competition doesn't mean like zero-sum fight with nuclear bomb blast, right? So obviously, there's market for everyone, and there are specific markets. That, that are ripe for competition because the demand is very high. Uh, there are markets that allow for less competition. So I guess the question would be at that point, will there be enough market? How harsh is the competition, right? I, I hope this these answers a bit your question. I think I would um, just um, add to
0: what you said, Dario. you know, um, considering um, the Question that has been asked. you know, Just to add some some additional context uh, based on uh, what I see every day of engaging startups. First and foremost, um, I would like to sort of enlighten you know, and I say it at different forums that startups are not the same thing as SMEs, small and medium scale enterprises. You know, so. Um, and I think in this part of the world we usually confuse a startup as a SM. You know? So I would not call a bakery business a startup. You know? So a bakery business, the model has been tested. Um, all you need most of the time is you need a baker, you need the baking machine. You know so it's a clear tested model. And like Daryl did mention, if the market is big enough, you know, we say something jokingly at times that um, the the sky is big enough for everyone to fly, you know? So if the market is big enough for the supply of bread, you know, um, that doesn't stop you. But the reality is that uh, to keep up in the game, um, you must ensure that your cost of production makes sense um, and I think, secondly, um, there must be a unique selling point with your bread. You know, so does it have a unique taste? Uh, you know, is there a reason why people should come back? Um, was the was the bread designed for the masses? You know, so is it what we call in Nigeria yeah, a gege bread? So, are you selling the unrefined bread in? Uh, the market targeted at the masses and you are not taking it to the high end that you need maybe sliced bread or croissant or, or whatever. So that's, that's what I will say to that, that. Don't let us confuse startups as SMEs because they are not the same. Um, this is something I say most of the time. Um, and I think for the kind of business bakery, it's a model that has been tested. Um, and I think the Market is big enough for everyone. Um, I think um, there's a question here.
1: Um,
0: I think I'll just read it out.
1: Um, just to in in the meantime, if if I can answer quickly the second question that you asked yes. before because we forgot yes. it. Yes.
0: Um,
1: when it comes to when it comes to data collection, so there are many different ways. Depends on what data you're looking at. Like if you're looking at like consumer data, if you're looking at um, Confidential data that you need to analyze. And for instance, your, your hospital, your government needs them to analyze for specific policies. So you need to know who's had a specific disease, et cetera, et cetera, death rate, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, it, it really depends. You need to have a system for each. When it comes to market research, we operate with a lot of data aggregation, but also with a lot of um, back and forth with partners, right? So we produce content. We do initiatives in collaboration. You know, for instance, this allows me to understand a bunch of, um, you know, gives me information about the demographic of who listens to these webinars, what the trends are, like what industries people are interested in. Right? Someone is asking about social media, right? I guess there's, there's interest in traditional companies, but there's also interest in media and 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 uh, new business models and uh, new needs and new demand, right? So it really it really depends. When when it comes to, to us, we collect data usually from because we do B2B and corporate data. We usually collect data from the companies themselves, um, especially through the platform, um, but also through questionnaires, through um, calls, through research, through internet search, etc., etc. But what was the question that you were reading? Well,
0: I wanted to ask a quick question um, and. Uh... So someone asked a very short question and I think it's important. Um, best practice dealing with gatekeepers. you know so I'll, I'll just ask two questions. So she the first question is um, what you know what are the best practices dealing with gatekeepers? you know so I think this is referencing um, part of um, what was included in your presentation. you know so the person is very important question is asking, best practice, you know, dealing with gatekeepers, because they're very important. Um, Then let me just ask the second one, though it's lengthy, um, build a prototype and test the market with it, or go out in the field and carry out a market research before building a product. Which approach do you think is better and cheaper? To launching an idea in Africa, because on your experience, based on your experience. So, so I think in summary, you know what this person simply asking is, do I just build the prototype and risk it and push it to the market and wait for people's feedback, or I should spend a bulk of my time trying to do a detailed market research and using that market research at the foundation of building the product? You know, so so those are the two questions that uh, i just want us to answer now then we have some like two questions i think our time is fast spent then we'll
1: see how we can go from there okay. sure um g- good questions about the gatekeepers i think increasingly just in business in general i'm seeing that people want clarity and want straightforwardness like when people approach you or like you approach people and you don't really have a clear ask because you yourself haven't either done the job or you don't even have much interest or maybe it's too early or maybe like you haven't been careful enough. Um, people tend to be a bit sort of stricter or a bit unresponsive. I think first it depends on what you're asking uh, if you're what you're approaching people for so gatekeepers mean gatekeepers for specific in specific area right and um, Like associations or specific investors or specific people or research organizations or uh, authorities. These are organizations that will interconnect and relate with, to your business in a very individual and specific way. So you need to understand what exactly your, is your request. And as a second step, understand why, like better figure it out early why that person would be interested in giving you time and even answering your question especially if the question requires effort from their end right and um, you always need to keep in mind that people like consider themselves busy even if they're not so you always need to take for granted that you are approaching someone who as a stage quo is busy and so you're taking time away from this person and so the faster and the clearer your ask is and the most the more accommodating it is for the other person the better right usually like for instance it's interesting to 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 come up with a system of incentive for the person why is the person working uh, what does the person need to give time for you is there and is there a, is there an exchange that you are having is the person just there and her, her role is actually to provide information to people like you which would be faster like is this person there and potentially actually you're going to compete with with whatever this person is, is 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 building so ask yourself the right question and try to be as clear as you can uh, in principle i also think i also think people yes are busy i also think people are lazy are non-responsive but i also think a lot of people are very helpful and a lot of people want to to help and want to provide information and want to be out there and want to know what is going on so it's, um, it's the pros and cons to this and i think clarity from your end from their end is, is the best um, i hope this answers your questions oh it always depends on case by case it depends on what you're talking about who who you're talking to and what for? Question about product. Ah, this is a catch. In principle, every question that we just asked could be answered. This is, needs to be a case by case situation, right? There are cases where you shouldn't build the bakery. There are cases where you should build a bakery. There are cases where you should build the product first. There are cases where you should do the research, right? And this boils down to what I was saying at the beginning try to understand where you're standing if you're an amazing set of developers with business skills with super connections it's very like you're more likely than someone who just comes out of you know Lagos university computer sciences bachelor uh, to succeed because business doesn't equal skill business equals skills applied to a need that is perceived that is embraced uh, and possibly paid for and possibly made sustainable through a system of sustainable production of a specific services product and sustainable demand for that and purchasing power on top of which you get regulation, taxes, COVID-19 and all these guys, kind of, right? So everything is very, it's, it's hard. That's why it's, it's, very inter- it's very important for you to understand the way you stand, who you are, what, are the, what is your unique selling point? What is your competitive advantage over other people, right? What are the resources that you have at stake? What is your commitment? For instance, if, if you're coming up with a solution, what I think is that often businesses grow out of projects in the sense that you have that side project that you're doing, that side project takes off and you're like, oh crap, I need to leave my full-time job because I don't, I cannot keep up with this. I think this is in many cases what actually happens. But there are cases where you actually come up with a nice idea. You're like, I'm going to do my research. I'm going to do, you know, all the handbook, uh, Startup Lean and Harvard Business Review kind of stuff. And then you end up building a business. I'm a bit more skeptical about this. But it's important that you understand also the commitment that you have. So, like, how passionate are you about doing the the market research for something that you never even tested, right? As opposed to, actually, I've come up with something that is cool. When I was a student, people seem to be um, buying it now i know how to build it better i'm just gonna figure out how to test it i guess one of the bottom line for this is try to build cheap try to build in a way that will allow you to get to market fast because then people instead of saying oh this would be a great idea will say oh this is a good minimal prototype right so i guess there's a this is a 50-50, right? It's try to build fast and cheap in a way that you can actually project. I'll tell you my experience with Brighter Intelligence. Before I had Brighter Intelligence, it was very hard to me, for me to pitch the fact that we were a data company. Now I don't even have to pitch a data company because when I send out a, a blurb, people log into the platform and, and see it and understand it. And from there, you go into the about page and they see what we've done, right? Let your content and let your product speak for yourself, right? If you're a great plumber, everyone will know that you're a great plumber because the world goes goes around. If you're building a great product, the product will move around, right? If you're building great content, content will go around. That's usually how it is. It's not the other way around. Like it's much harder to have the other way around. The other way around, Doing market research when you just start is different than the market research that Deloitte puts on the plate because they have billions to spend. Like the market research that you do is like when you have some spare time aside from your full-time job, right? And you have a very limited resources because you haven't even started what you were doing. So unless you're a very wealthy individual that has unlimited time and limited resources to do all the needed careful research, it's usually probably like faster and more practical to try to have bits and pieces to show the market we've done this now we've done this now we've done this now we've done this as opposed to we'd like to do this and then we'd like to do this and then we'd like to do this right tangible tangible assets are better than speculative assets i think this is for everything um i hope this answers your questions and again this is just like things that I have in my mind on a Thursday afternoon at five o'clock. Um, I'm not an accomplished entrepreneur. Um, so don't take me, don't take my words as, you know, final, final answer to life problems. But probably ask yourself the right questions like, right? can you build fast and, and cheap and show your market your milestones? Adoption, show early, like achieve early adoption without. Um, or validation, without having significant resources. What's your passion? Is your do you have a passion about it, or it just like you came up with a new idea because you think the new Uber for uh, uh, chicken feeds is better than other Uber for chicken feeds? Right. So um, <laughs> do you know what I mean? <laughs> So uh, I think passion means a lot because passion, you you end up asking yourself 10 times a day whether what you're doing is actually worth your time and energy and sweat. So it, it, there will be a lot of responsibilities on your head. There'll be a lot of responsibilities, when you, especially when you start paying people. And it's, you know, pa- passion and more than passion, like real confidence and trust in what you're building is is key. And it's important that you build that early on and that you have that early on. Otherwise it's gonna be hard for you to persist. Anyone else? I can um, pick up another question if you want. Um, okay so let me quickly um check through
0: to see if we have some other questions to from our from our from my audience just just give me a few seconds let me check through and see if there are other other questions um oh Okay, so I think we've sort of um, taken all the questions. Um, yeah. Okay, so you're back on. Uh, thank you. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I had, uh, I think I had a, cha- a tiny challenge in my network. Um. so right. yes, uh, I think, uh, so I think, um, yes, uh, those are really bulk of the questions. Uh, I think the last question was um, I think the question around the ideology of mixing up a startup and SMEs in this part of the country. Uh, that was the question that um, that person asked. You know, so there's a general confusion uh, with so many people really. When they hear startup, uh, when they hear SME, um, they equate them as the same thing, you know. So but for lot of practitioners in the tech ecosystem um, that sort of um, feel they are not the same uh, with ample example. So I think that's why it's asking that question that, you know, um, how does one manage that assumption that startups are the same thing as the regular SMEs? You know? so, a bakery vis-a-vis a fintech, uh, a a school vis-a-vis um, an edtech platform, um, a barber shop vis-a-vis an e-commerce company. You know, so so at times people confuse. They they use the same models and explanation for the two. So I think he's just asking. You know, Dairo. Di- 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 what, what do you think, you know, what, what's your perspective um, in this? Or what, what do you feel about this confusion? You know,
1: what, what's, so what's, this terminology is a actual pain, um, but I think there is one specific feature that needs to be taken into account. So in the age of software, Software can be replicated because it can be copied and pasted at no cost or a marginal cost, right? Um, In the sense that you don't have to replicate the whole infrastructure um, to replicate the service, right? This allows for um, economies of scale, which means you're able with the same resources like with 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 the curve of return of, of of revenues that goes very steeply up um you're able to achieve that with a curve of cost an increasing cost which is very um slow because you usually have to like add a bit of infrastructure cost into the infrastructure um Maybe you need one more developer because you cannot keep up with ten thousand user, right? As opposed to having another baker, if you start selling three hundred pieces of bread as opposed to fifty, right? And um, and I'm being um, you know optimistic, right? So there are there are businesses are based on revenues and cost, right? And the cost structure of startups is very specific in the sense that it moves much more slowly than the revenue structure, right? Because you're able to generate exponential revenue with just an arithmetic curve of cost increasing, cost increase, right? And this is, this is, uh, allowed by the the, the the rise of digital, right? The fact that the cost of replication is marginal, right? So to put it less technically, the difference that I see between an SME and a startup is the cost structure and the fact that the cost of any additional business for a startup would be dramatically less than, you know, the the than it would be for a company that needs physical assets or like physical resources to to grow a business, right? And that's also, for instance, why you don't really talk about scalability for um, like a solar energy company because that's a very that's that's in the same terms, right? right? A solar like a solar panel startup. It's not exactly like a a paystack because paystack generates revenue on commission on flat fees for people that implement you know uh, apply you know use the use those gate payment gateways in their own business at and no effort aside from the cost of servers and the cost of software maintenance uh paystack is able to gen- generate a recurring revenue and automatic revenue, right? Whereas if you need to install a new solar panel, you need a technician, someone who does the assessment of, 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 the, of the ground, of, of, the, of the space, um, an infrastructure that, that brings cables to at least your light bulb in your room and your television, right, et cetera, et cetera. So the cost structure, which is enabled by software, is I think what determines the difference between startups and startup types of growth growth, and SME type of growth. Now, now I'm being very like radical about startups only being softer. Mm. Someone could probably say a company in its early days because of the growth potential of that company and the growth trajectory of a company in its early stages could be a startup by by way of effectively starting up, right? It just, you can call yourself a startup. But it doesn't matter. It, what you need to keep in mind is that your curve, especially if you're to pitch to an investor, might be like this, and it's perfectly fine, but you don't want to pitch your curve or return like this if your mm. cost structure doesn't allow that, right? Mm. Um, to give an idea, brighter, when it wasn't born as a startup brighter is effectively a um, an SME providing research right the construction of a platform that enable that is subscription based that people pay for to have complete access to that enables a mechanism like ignites this mechanism whereby brighter could have and probably has revenues at marginal cost because for every page subscription I don't need to do basically anything but ensuring the, the smooth um sort of the smooth functioning of the platform with the resources that I have right uh, and that's the difference right the research side the consulting side I need all of us on top of projects the platform is there once it's built People can operate right now. We're selling the the, the API for it. I don't want to talk much about price. We want to sell it right. But I'm 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 saying the fact that we are enabling people to plug into our our platform by paying the licensing and then using on their platform, that comes at a marginal cost, at a diminishing cost. Once we've paid for like the cost of setting that system up, everything else would be basically profit, right? And marginal cost to, for maintenance. This is, I guess, the difference, um, or I think a use a useful way to to understand the difference between the two. And it's very important for you as a founder to identify your cost structure and the way your the ability you have to grow, right? Like your growth trajectory, growth potential. I hope this answers your question.
0: Um, I think, Daryl, you did, did. I think you did justice to, to the question. Um, and I think um, we are at the point where we have to let you go. We've um, taken an hour plus of your time. Um, and I think um, this session has been very, very exciting, um, eye opening. Um, and um, we're, we're very happy and humbled to have you um, join us uh, for this. Uh, October edition of the Obwon Epic Hour. Um, I do hope that um, OB1 and FCMB will be listed on Brighter uh, because we are one of those uh, financial institutions that has been driving and supporting uh, tech startups, although quietly, but I think we are now much more visible with several of our actions in the ecosystem. Um, So thank you for joining us, Um, thank you to all our participants, Um, we can assure all our participants that this um, engagement is recorded, um, and we are going to share it um, digitally via our platform um, and via uh, other channels within our community. Um, So once more, thanks a lot, Dario. Um, we appreciate you. We appreciate your time um, and uh, enjoy the rest of your day. Um, yeah, yeah. So we'll catch up.
1: Later. Thanks, everyone. Thanks. Everyone can uh, add me to LinkedIn and whatever social media and happy to chat there. Uh, thanks, everyone. Have a great evening. Bye-bye. And you too. Bye.